Welcome to This Osteopathic Life. This is Dr. Amelia Beakey. I'm honored to share with you the philosophy that has underscored my personal and professional life and explore how osteopathy truly is for the health of all things. I see these principles in action every day in my varied roles as physician, parent, athlete, writer, musician, coach, and entrepreneur, and hope they will light the way for the path to your best health. Please note that while I am a physician, this podcast is intended to share general information and encourage discussion about medicine, health, and related subjects. The content provided in this podcast and in any linked materials is not intended and should not be construed as medical advice. Thank you for joining me for episode 38 of season two of This Osteopathic Life. We're coming around to the same number of solo episodes here as we had in season one, pretty well ahead of schedule. The anniversary of this podcast is my birthday, which is the 1st of February. And as we're looking ahead, if we're counting decade birthdays as a milestone, we're headed there for this time around. And I'm pleased to be ahead of the count on the episodes and grateful for the opportunity. We've had 13 episodes of conversations so far and we'll continue that weekly trend. We're going to be bringing back some of the guests from conversations to continue the dialogue and expand the sharing of the concepts they brought forth for the health of all things. And I'm excited to see what plays out through the conclusion of 2020 and into 2021. Today, I'd like to look at a concept that came up multiple times. It was reinforced today. I had the great pleasure of being in a mastermind with some fellow physician entrepreneurs, and we were sharing those things that were helpful and that we needed to practice more as we looked into ourselves, into our businesses, and the ways we could be most effective in service. And perhaps I've shared with you This may have actually happened more in some videos rather than on the podcast. This idea of business that I've held historically, I've often thought about business, you know, as this economic place, right? This profit-driven place. And oftentimes it would come up with a bit of a sour connotation in my mind, my heart, and thinking that, you know, business was just about greed or margins and getting ahead And that comes from a lot of different stories that I told myself over the years. And we all have a lot of different dialogues around some of those concepts. And what I've realized in the past few years, right, ever since being an entrepreneur, which in solo private practice, it can be hard sometimes to think about that, right? Medicine, we try to separate, right, the business aspect from the direct patient care aspect And while we could have many episodes looking at the commodification of medicine in the ways that it hasn't gone well, we can still look at the exchange, right? So it is a service that is exchanged for reimbursement, and that can come directly from the person, that can come from insurance companies. And again, that's where episodes could emerge over and over and over again. But let's even track back And oftentimes, when I think about historical medicine in a visible way, for me, was Little House on the Prairie and watching that. And I recognize the television show representation and the books, but also just thinking, even in that time, 
certainly before we necessarily labeled so specifically medicine as this business, there was an exchange, right? So Doc Baker was paid, right? There were some fees relative to the economy and inflation rates at the time. There might have been services or food or farm goods, right? There might have been different ways. He was reimbursed for his services so that he could be sustainable, right? So he could pay the rent for his building, so he could feed himself, so he could have his carriage and keep his horse well to get him where he needed to go. And so even then, which I know is not a tremendously historic example, but it's previous to now, demonstrates, right, that yes, there is business. And business doesn't have to be a negative thing, right? Business can be for good. And business can actually be a means of effecting change. And that was a big leap, moving into that direct exchange, right, of time for funds, being the one to collect payments as a solo private practice physician, to navigate the difficulties of the insurance system, to be directly responsible for all of the overhead. And that's a difference when you go from being an employed physician into that space. And you do begin to think about things differently. And interestingly, I didn't see the shift of thinking to say, oh, this patient, this amount of money. And there were some metrics, right, that would move you through that. But in general, I felt even more connected to the experience of seeing providing value for the patients in their visit. And that value was in the listening, right? And the value was in hearing what they had to say and understanding what their objectives were and encouraging them in the engagement in their plan. And it wasn't driven, right, by how many tests to order or how many follow-ups there would be scheduled or what the referrals are. It really was able to still be centered, I'm pleased to say, in the actual being with the patient. And there were metrics to be measured, right? There were still bills to be paid and there were claims, right? They would go unpaid and you had to follow those. And in reflecting on that, it was able to be separated, right? And so we could see the numbers on that page and simply follow that through from a pragmatic standpoint and not have that seep in to the actual patient care space. Now, there were requirements, right? So that's some of the mandates when you participate with insurance as to what you can and cannot forgive as far as finances are concerned. And that does require, right, engagement with the person because never would I want to separate any part of that person's experience. But interestingly, it can be helpful to create a distinction when they're in kind of the sacred space, right, of the treatment room in that conversation, sharing their experience, seeking advice and guidance, right? And so being able to separate those was a helpful boundary to keep. And that's a somewhat lengthy introduction, but also illustrates that dichotomy of the two, Right, so when do we keep some separation and distance and boundary? And when do we maintain that integration and seeing the whole person and their experience, right? Both are possible. Both are necessary. And balancing them, moving between them, knowing when one takes priority, 
is some of the art of engagement in the practice of medicine and in the practice of business. And seeing those as interrelated and interchangeable can be powerful as well. Because as we're seeing right now, particularly, sustainability of practices is necessary, right? And finding the ways forth in that and getting creative and keeping the humanity at the core is so important. And so I'd like to move into the balancing of another dichotomy, and that of the yes and of the no. And this is where that mastermind came into play that I alluded to in the beginning. And what I noticed as we reflected on what was effective for us over the course of the past year, half a year, and I listed a number of things, right? It's been a year of learning and experimenting and recognizing and realizing and growing and expanding, all very exciting, sometimes overwhelming to be sure. Anytime there's a lot of big change, that's a possibility, but it's not required and it's not permanent. But the two things that came up as most profoundly impactful for me, considering the endeavor more explicitly into business, And again, looking back, it's like, well, of course, you've been in business for these five years with your practice, with owning a gym and having this osteopathic life. It existed, but it wasn't quite formalized as a business in the ways that are required to actually be in business. And the two that came up, one was saying yes as often as possible. And the other was practicing constraint, which would really be saying no more frequently. And both of those, the key uniting factor was with intention. And so what I've noticed, and let's explore the yeses first, right? And we could think about the yeses as the health, but not necessarily. We can often assume, right, that it's the yes that's always going to get us to where we need to be. And that may or may not be the case. And I think about improv acting, right? It's always say yes and see what you can do. And, and I look at that in business, right? There is an improv aspect, right? To entrepreneurialism, there is that, well, we don't know because it's never been done. So let's see, right? There's an inventive, creative space <clears throat> that is so encouraging. But it can, again, that's where that overwhelm gets invited in. It can overtake what's happening, right? That creative spirit can sometimes outweigh the pragmatism and practical steps to effect the process or the change that you're seeking. So let's look at how saying yes can be helpful and how saying yes with intention even more so. And so saying yes this year has gotten me into so many different circles, peer groups, into the expertise of those who have gone before me, showing me that my circle of contact isn't limited to my specialty, to my profession even, that I can speak and be with any physicians anywhere. Geographically, it's not limited. There are people in other specialties. And then also outside the medical space. So looking at experts in business and in marketing and in leadership. And I've 
dabbled. We'll say, and I love this, my niece's podcast, which has gone dormant and I hope will be resurrected, but she called herself a dabbler. And I always really appreciated that. And seeing where before, oh yes, I took this leadership course in the past and we've seen you know, my interest in music. And I looked back and I was always working kind of in administrative circles, even back in undergraduate, right? I always kind of found myself into that space of the organizers of things. And so in this year of saying yes, I was able to bring that back and see, oh, I can gain here. I can learn here. I can teach here. I can use the expertise that I have in medicine and expand it in these spaces. So when I think about the purpose of this osteopathic life and expanding the osteopathic concept for the health of all things, it makes so much sense. It's an, of course, it could be in all these different realms, right? On social media, in networking groups, into the business world totally unrelated to medicine and bring health there. Of course. Yes. And so saying yes has opened up many doors. And let's look at some of the ways saying yes can be most helpful. So saying yes with some consideration. So yes, I'd be interested. Tell me more, right? And that doesn't commit you to anything, but it opens the door and it gives you a chance to be considerate and to get good at asking questions to finding out what it is you should know, could know, you know, want to know before you endeavor into making any kind of commitment, right? So saying, yes, I'm interested and tell me more. And then looking at why you would be interested and it's okay. And it's actually imperative to say, what would I be getting out of this? And that was a hard one for me because that seems selfish. It's always just like, how can I help here, right? What skills do I have and how can I help? And absolutely, yes. But from a sustainability model and also from a motivation model and a practicality model, just noticing, well, why? Why would I do this? What could I gain? And notice that that doesn't have to detract from what you can give, right? So in saying those same things of here's my skills, here's my time, what do I have to give here? What can I give? How can I help? And also saying, how can I receive? And that doesn't change what even is happening, but it can change your mindset. In that when you engage, you're priming it for not what's in it for me, but what can I gain here? Like, what can I choose to receive from this, right? And so it can just simply be a learning experience. So I gain from this stepping into this new role, right? I'm hosting physician panels on doctors on social media. And so I'm practicing hosting and navigating different technological resources and meeting new people. And so I'm gaining from that and not detracting from anything that's happening in that space because I'm also creating a space for other physicians to be heard and supplementing a lecture series that's going on. And so it can totally be mutual and actually it levels up both experiences. So when you are gaining from something, you're investing differently in it, you're showing up differently in it, and there actually is some you know, altruism buried in there because it's not you forcing that thing or someone else to validate you, to give you credit, right? To give you girls, but simply to say, I choose to benefit from this, right? By my approach and my attitude and how I show up. And so notice that as an availability. I'd also encourage you to look at saying yes for an interval of time. And so this has happened to me in the past, right? Where I've agreed to do something and then you're sitting on a committee, you know, five years later, or you're teaching this class that really isn't in your zone of genius and you're doing it just because you've been doing it and you think probably nobody else will do it, right? 
And so that does come up. And that doesn't really feel great. And it really is okay to do things because they feel great. And the secret is you can choose to have them feel great. And if they don't, it's okay right, to excuse yourself from that. And so saying yes for a week, I'm going to try it for a week. Maybe it's a quarter. Maybe it's a half a year. Right? Maybe it's monthly and you revisit and you rechoose. And even if you think it's very likely for you to continue with whatever it is you're doing, recommitting to saying yes is powerful. Right? It's not just, well, here I go again. It's, oh, I choose this again. Right? Here we go, month number two. Right? So you might take on a challenge for six weeks and you complete whatever task is required of you. And you know at six weeks, you reevaluate whether you elect to continue again or you say that was great and... Now it's time for something different. Now it's time for a break. Both are totally, totally acceptable. So that's the yeses, right? And then the noes. And I have to say, for any of you musical fans out there, when I went for this for the title, yes and no and yes and no, if it doesn't bring up like Evita for you, <laughs> I encourage you to look at right, the Rainbow Tour lyrics and the dialogue between, right? It says, qualified yes. And then there's this drawback, no. And when I think about the yeses and the noes, I think in the beautiful genius of Brene Brown, the hell yes, right? So making sure it's a hell yes. And noticing that there can be different versions of that. And you can think about what it is. Like, what's that sensation when you think, ooh, that's interesting. Ooh, I can learn something here. Oh, I really wanted to see what I could do with this. Right, so know that you're hell yes. Right? You can trust yourself for it. You can listen for it. And just like in that choosing to gain something from what it is, you can make a hell yes happen. Right? But again, that time frame allows you to reevaluate and say, was it really? Right? So if you're kind of convincing yourself of the hell yes, and you could say, well, that's violating the whole policy. But let's just say you either already did agree to something and you're kind of regretting it. See if you can make it a hell yes for a finite period of time and then reevaluate in that moment at that junction and then truly say, no, it really wasn't. Or yeah, it actually was, right? I grew into this and I grew my love for it. So give yourself that space there. Okay, and so the no's. How did constraint help move me through this year and how will I utilize it going forward? So constraint has helped me to get focused on what I'm doing, like the creation of the physician coaching and CME program. Like that got very specific. There are hours associated. There's a timeline. There are objectives. There's a format. There is a curriculum. There are worksheets or evaluations, right? So it has a lot of specificity to it. It's also showing me the audience who will benefit from that. And that does continue to refine itself. Right, but saying it's for physicians, right? That's constraint. And then saying it's for MDs and DOs, interestingly, is a little bit of a broadening, but also showing that it does bring all physicians together and that it is for men and women. And holding that, you know, co ed space, I think, is really powerful. And that is for all specialties. And this is where kind of that yes and the no come together. So that is what you might think of as a less of a boundary, less constraint because it's open to all specialties, but it's specific, right? It's addressing that and it's intentionally saying it's purposefully for all specialties because we're seeking not to be siloed 
in the spaces of medicine any longer. And that, yes, there is CME that is very specific to a specialty and that's purposeful and appropriate. And there's also CME that is relevant because you are human and a physician, right? And that is globally applicable and that is okay. So it's an interesting form of constraint. Taking down some of the other programs actually opened up other doors. We've talked about this analogy with fences and freedom, right? So those boundaries that create freedom and so putting up some of that limitation on it, you know, can actually open up other areas of constraint. It does open up other time. And so while I did have those yeses, when I do come to that reevaluation point and say, okay, the end is here, no, and I pull back, then there's new time available, right, to then expand what you give to the yeses. And so see how they're working together. So you have this yes, and you've affirmed it, and you've rechosen it in this next time frame, and then you're practicing some constraint with other things, and you're then expanding how you can give to those things that really truly are the hell yeses. And you can still have boundaries around them. It doesn't mean give all your time. It might also mean that I'm giving enough time to those yeses. And with my no time, right, that's now emerging, the constraint that's giving me this freedom, I'm going to invest more in myself, in my family, in exercise, in rest, whatever that is. Right? So constraint has that power for you. No's are also an engagement with yourself. So it's you being able to trust yourself that you do have limits and limits aren't a bad thing. That was its own episode, right? Limits are actually keeping you in that sustainable space, right? And limits are you saying, I don't have to do everything because sometimes when we're doing everything, it's us seeking, right? External validation or the gold star for, you know, hours contributed. And so no is really a self-trust practice, and when I can do that, right, I can say to myself, I do know that I'm going to choose the yeses purposefully because I know that when I need to, I will say no. Right? I will put a boundary there. I will practice constraint. And in doing both of these, I can open that up to show others that it's possible and being able to move between them. So the yes it's kind of that I trust myself to push a margin, right? And the no is I trust myself to understand what limits I have and how I'm taking care of myself. And moving between those, I think about toggling between them and interweaving them together also can be so powerful because it builds this resilience within. And again, resilience, not in the way of, I'm adapting and adapting and adapting and adapting to these external systems in hopes that I get tough enough that I won't break under the pressure. But probably we will, right? We get brittle when we keep having to layer up and armor up all the time. But resilience in the way of having these different threads of strength, right? So the thread of strength of growth, and we think about some elasticity in there and saying that I know Right, that I'm not going to just keep saying no because I'm scared. And I'm not just going to keep saying no because I don't believe I can do something. And I'm not just going to keep saying no because it's easier to stay small and to keep my genius hidden. I'm not just going to keep saying no on default without even listening or considering. 
I'm going to say no thoughtfully. I'm going to say no because I choose to say no. And I'm going to say no even if I thought I could do it, but because I didn't want to. I'm going to say no because I've already allocated all the time that I have for something available to me. And I'm going to say no, and that can be for a not right now. Just like you could reevaluate after a quarter or a year with your yes, you can go back and look at the thing to which you said no. And while you might think, well, you know, that house got sold, that job is gone, that offer is no longer on the table, maybe, but, or maybe and, because and is a growth and expansive word. If there was an opportunity once, there will be again. If there are other homes, even that same home will come for sale again. I thought that here in the town where we moved, and we're not moving again, but when we had looked at, when we first arrived, which looked like, quote unquote, a dream home, you know, on paper, was sold, and it's not for sale again. You think, oh, right, nothing is permanent. And so a job offer, maybe that job wasn't the right job, and it probably isn't because you didn't take it at the time, right? You are where you are now, totally appropriate. And if it's still of interest to you, maybe it's not saying go get that job or wish you had gotten that job. It's saying, maybe I'd like a different job than the one that I have. And that one was interesting. What about it was interesting? And my no is not forever. My no is not crushing anything, right? So if you think no and, oh, it's never going to happen again. I should have, right? Should have done that. No, right? You can say, why is it still interesting to me? What about it would I want to pursue? Where can I find it? Where am I not looking? Or how can I create it? Right? So no is actually a huge gateway to some amazing yeses in the hell yes way. And so same with yes. What are you learning to trust about yourself with yes? I know that I'll say yes and try things that might be a little scary that are at those margins of my capacity. I know that I'll say yes, right? Even if I haven't done it before, especially if I haven't done it before. I know I'll say yes to the things that I'm good at, but not because I need that before, because I choose to, and I choose to bring my strengths to a place. I know I'll say yes from a place of abundance, knowing that the yes isn't forever, even if it is amazing, right? That I get to choose it, and it can be for as long as it is. And I can accept that as successful and victorious, right? In saying yes, I'm showing that I trust myself to follow through and I trust myself to gather data and I trust myself to engage in new things and to not live in fear of how they will be. And that doesn't mean I won't have some fear, some anxiety, some nervousness going into them, but I have my own back. I have an out and I have this no available to me at any time and see how they both support one another. And sometimes I cancel each other out. Sometimes one says, you know what? This is a yes moment. And I hear, you know, I hear you and we'll revisit this and I'll give you a vote again in two weeks, six weeks, 12 weeks. And they really can engage and strengthen and enhance the other. And so think about times in your life where you said yes and what it opened up for you. What expanded from yes? Because I hear yes and I hear expansion. 
And again, at those bleeding edges of expansion can be overwhelmed. And so notice what came from that. And was it just you thinking I shouldn't have said yes to this, right? Because that can get you in there pretty quick. Is it thinking I can't do this? I don't know what I'm doing. I never should have, right? All of that comes up. And instead saying, well, I said yes, and I'm here. And what can I do in the time that I'm allocating to this? And when will I revisit and decide, right, on that margin? Not because I failed, not because I can't do it, but because I'm choosing not to. Right? Because I'm choosing to say, this is not something that I had the time, the energy, the resources, and it can be the know-how or the actual skills. That doesn't even have to be a failure. That can be you just recognizing what you can and cannot do. And you're deciding whether or not you want to invest the time and the skill building to acquire whatever it is that will help facilitate you completing that task. Right? So nothing has to be a failure, always opportunities to gain from what happened. And if, it, if you wanted to say, yep, failed, okay, what's the lesson in there as well? And with the no's, right, seeing how it could be so relieving to say no and not justify it, not explain it. And that can be hard in the beginning if people are really used to getting a yes from you no matter what. And if they get that first no, you know, the more explanation you offer, the more opportunity for holes to be poked right, in that argument, in that justification. You can simply say no, not at this time. And that is reasonable, right? Not right now. Ask me again in one month, one quarter, six months. That's all available to you. And you might think, well, they don't want to ask me then. Okay, that's okay. Like that's up to them. Or you'd be surprised. Okay, great. Six months will be great. We'll get back to you then, or you follow up with them if the interest is peaked. Many ways to let yes and no and yes and no and yes and no, but the answer is yes, come back through for you. So I encourage you to utilize them both because I can imagine that there are settings when you're using one and not the other one that you might use more frequently than the other and see if there's an opportunity to actually engage with both of them and use them beautifully woven together to create your sustainable engagement in life, in business and relationships, right? Great ways to navigate for yourself. Thank you for joining me for this episode I'll be back on Tuesday with conversations this week and each weekend sharing with you concepts for the health of all things. This is Dr. Amelia Beakey with This Osteopathic Life. Thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed this episode, please visit Apple and like, rate, review. And physician friends, if you are ready for a transformation, taking these concepts into action in your life to treat and prevent burnout, to explore big ideas, to make your dreams reality. Join me for the next edition of this Osteopathic Life Physician Coaching and CME. We begin December 1st. There's a combination of teaching group and one-on-one coaching, and it's amazing experience to bring the osteopathic concepts into practical application. It's open to MDs and DOs, to men and women, to physicians of all specialties in all locations, in clinical, 
administrative academic practice. Visit thisosteopathiclife.com to find out more and get registered or contact me at thisosteopathiclife at gmail.com with any questions. Look forward to having you there.